This episode is sponsored by The Jordan Harbinger Show. Named the best podcast of 2018 by Apple. Tons of fascinating guests. Untold stories you won't hear anywhere else. Expand your wisdom and discover other perspectives that you've never considered before with The Jordan Harbinger Show. Join Jordan as he interviews high-profile people as well as intriguing personalities. Each episode features a discussion that might just take you anywhere. I recommend episode 970, where Jordan and guest Annie Jacobson talk nuclear annihilation. How likely is it? How scared should you be? And what comes after? There's also episode 886 with David Farina, which delves into the wacky world of flat earthers. These episodes are great starting points, but you're sure to find deep, interesting, and thought-provoking topics throughout Jordan's catalog. Turn off the music and turn up the wisdom with The Jordan Harbinger Show. We really enjoy this show and we think you will as well. There's just so much here. Check out jordanharbinger.com start for some episode recommendations or search for The Jordan Harbinger Show. That's H-A-R-B as in boy, I-N as in Nancy, G-E-R. You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. If humans and dinosaurs lived in the world today, could they coexist? Or would one destroy the other? There's a reason that we will never know, because it probably isn't meant to be. But if it was, who do you think would survive? Children and adults alike have been intrigued by the giant beasts that formerly roamed the earth. Mystifying in their size and power, they are creatures that even the greatest imagination fails to describe accurately. Welcome to Freaky Folklore, the podcast where we discover the horrifying legends across the world and tell terrifying tales of monsters both ancient and modern. Today we are discussing the Makele Mbembe, the elusive dinosaur that legend says still lives in the Congo today. This show is part of the EerieCast Podcast Network. Find more terrifying tales at EerieCast.com and be sure to follow us on Spotify or your favorite podcasting service. You can leave an honest review on iTunes too. The more we get, the more we grow, and hopefully, the more monsters we can explore. If you'd like to submit an encounter or suggestions for future episodes, you can email them to carmencarrion at gmail.com. That is C-A-R-M-A-N-C-A-R-R-I-O-N at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter or Instagram for information on future episodes. Josh Townsend had been a dinophile for as long as he could remember. When he was a baby... He had a stuffed T-Rex that he carried everywhere, until his dad made him leave it home the day he started kindergarten. That was a sad day for him. 
His dad had also bought him the children's encyclopedia of dinosaurs for his fourth birthday, and he still has that same book today, even though it's tattered and worn, held together in some places by scotch tape. He had watched every one of the Land Before Time series more times than he could count, and every dinosaur-related cartoon and movie that existed as far as he knew. And Jurassic Park? Well, when that movie came out, it was a monumental moment in Josh's life. He knew then, even though he was only 10 years old, that he would someday study, hunt, and live his life around dinosaurs. His bedroom was dinosaur-themed. His birthday always had dinosaur decoration. And even his underwear had dinosaurs on them. You get the point. Josh was obsessed with dinosaurs. That's why Josh became a paleontologist, even though he hated school, and it took years of schooling to get his degree. But getting a job as a dinosaur expert was harder than he had thought it would be. After sending out his resume to the most prestigious job openings for six months, he didn't get so much as a nibble. So when it became difficult to pay his bills, he began applying for any job that had the word paleontologist in the title. It was only a few days after applying that he landed an interview as a paleontological technician with a company in Denver, Colorado. It was a perfect entry-level job. He would be collecting field data on site and working with seasoned paleontologists. It was just the beginning of a long string of jobs over the years for Josh. When the funding ran out in Denver, he found himself unemployed again. Over the next 12 years, he worked anywhere he could in jobs that ranged anywhere from museums to traveling dinosaur exhibits. At 40 years old, Josh found himself exhausted, unsatisfied, and bored. He had never been able to live out his dream of hunting for dinosaurs, well, their remains, that is. However, when he came across a story online about a scientist putting together an expedition to the Congo, to search for the mysterious Michele Mabembe, he knew he had to go. He felt like this is what he had been waiting for his whole life. Josh had always been fascinated by the idea of a dinosaur surviving and living in the Congo unfound for centuries. He had heard the stories about the Michele Mabembe, the legendary dinosaur of the Congo, when he was in college and wondered if it could possibly be true. People had tried to find the creature for years, but no one had ever succeeded. He began to look up information about the scientist from the story. His name was Gregory Bishop. He was a paleontologist as well, but he had spent most of his life hunting for cryptids, such as Bigfoot and the Loch Ness Monster. He finally found him on LinkedIn, the job site, where he had posted openings for spots in his expedition. He needed like-minded professionals. Josh pulled up his resume and looked it over, making a few changes here and there, and then wrote a cover letter that he found fairly impressive. Once he was finished, he applied for a position on Bishop's team and waited. It was a long, painful month of checking his email a dozen times a day, hoping for a reply before he finally heard back. He almost fainted when he read the email asking for an interview in person. Josh quickly emailed him back, and within 24 hours, he had an appointment for an interview and a flight booked 
to Sacramento, California. Josh was thankful that he had never married and started a family. He would never be able to do something like this if he had. He just never had the desire for a mate like most people do. Josh already had everything planned out even before he took flight to Sacramento. He would take a leave of absence from his current job at the Denver Museum of Nature and Science and pay one of his co-workers to look after his cat and plants. When Josh reached Sacramento, the first thing he did was check into his hotel and get a shower. His brown curly hair with a peppering of gray had to be tamed so he wouldn't look like a mad scientist. He put on his best shirt and tie, along with a pair of slacks, and then checked himself once in the mirror. Everything was going perfectly. He was right on schedule. He took this as a good sign. When he reached the address Bishop had sent him, he was surprised to find a warehouse instead of an office. He buzzed the door twice before it finally swung open, and he was greeted by the man he had seen images of online except he was taller and grayer himself than the pictures had shown. You must be Josh, he said in greeting with his hand outstretched. Josh reached and took his hand and gave it a firm shake. And you must be Mr. Bishop, Josh replied. You can call me Greg or Bishop, whichever you like, Bishop answered in turn. Come in and have a seat. Would you like a cup of coffee? He offered. Josh accepted a cup of coffee so that he wouldn't seem anxious. As he walked further into the warehouse, he was shocked and in awe of what he saw. The entire place looked like a museum. It was large and open, with a living area smack in the middle. It was cozy yet magical, or at least Josh thought so. There were relics, fossils, pictures of all sorts of creatures, and even impressions of very large footprints. He wandered around looking at everything while Bishop went to get coffee. When he returned with two cups in hand, Josh was looking at a picture on the wall of what looked like a dinosaur soaking in a river. That's Michele Mabembe. An artist friend painted that for me. It's beautiful, isn't it? Bishop stated as he walked up behind Josh. It is. I guess I don't have to ask if you think the legend is really true. If you didn't, you wouldn't be putting together this expedition, Josh commented. Oh, I do. But the question is, do you? Bishop asked Josh. Josh suddenly felt like this was probably the most important question he was going to be asked during the interview. So he answered carefully. I believe in the existence of dinosaurs, in the past most definitely. I also believe that too many people have claimed to see the Michele Mabembe, for there not to be something to the story, he said with smooth confidence. Very well then, Bishop replied. Let's move on. Why don't you tell me about Josh Townsend? He must have been happy with the answer, because he proceeded with the interview. He asked Josh many questions, and by the time the interview was over, he had already offered him the job. The flight to the Republic of the Congo took almost 24 hours. It was the longest flight Josh had ever been on. 
Bishop had chartered a plane that took the entire team of eight people with no stops on the way. The Republic of the Congo wasn't the safest place for Americans to visit, so they were advised to travel in pairs or groups at all times. They had booked rooms to rest before catching a smaller plane to the village where they would start their journey down the river to their destination. Two days later, after a night in a noisy hotel, another extremely turbulent plane ride, and an eight-hour ride on some sort of motorized boat that sounded like it would blow up at any moment, they finally arrived. Led by guides that were native to the river basin area, the team disembarked, and with only their backpacks, set out across the jungle. Only Bishop and the guides who spoke little English knew their exact destination. Josh was surprised when they made camp near another area of river. Bishop said it was the Sanaga, a place where the legend, according to the natives of the area, says the Michaela Mbembe is seen the most. They made camp beneath a canopy of trees that brought relief from the scorching heat of the day, but no relief from the humidity and flying insects. That night, as he slept beneath the stars, the sounds of the jungle formed memories that Josh knew he would carry with him for the rest of his life. Eventually, the mosquitoes sent Josh to find sanctuary in his tent. Overcome with exhaustion, he quickly fell into a deep sleep, where he dreamed about dinosaurs. In his dream, he was walking through an opening in the jungle. There he could see pterodactyls flying high in the air, and various other herbivores grazing on vegetation. Some were as small as dogs, others were as big as houses. One of the smaller ones approached him and nudged him on the leg. It was just a baby. Josh recognized it as a Min-Me, and knew that if it was full-grown, it would be close to 500 pounds. He reached down to pet the top of its head, but before he could touch it, he heard the crashing of something huge coming through the forest. He could hear tree limbs snapping, and the ground began to shake. Josh's heart began to race, and the adrenaline caused him to snap out of his dream, and wake up just in time for his tent to lift into the air, spilling him onto the ground. He hit the ground with a thud and watched as his tent disappeared into the jungle. He was watching all of this in confusion when he noticed the tree trunk-sized legs walk past him. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. What is horror to you? Monsters? Murder? Mystery? Well, if human monsters are your thing, June's Journey is the game for you, albeit in a more lighthearted tone. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. 
It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hidden in the northern Congo Basin, home to the world's second largest rainforest, lies a mysterious swamp. In this swamp, there is said to dwell a neo-dinosaurian cryptid known as Mekele Mbembe. The cryptid creature has mainly been reported from the Republic of the Congo and Cameroon, where it's alleged to inhabit swampy or marshy wetlands, lakes, and rivers. It's especially associated with the Lakula region and Lake Tele, but has also been sighted at a number of other bodies of water. The Mekele Mbembe is described as a large amphibious animal with a bulk body, a long neck and tail, and a small head, a description which has long suggested a sauropod dinosaur to many cryptozoologists. Although a wide variety of other reptilian and mammalian identities have been suggested, this name originates from the Lingala language and is commonly translated to mean one who stops the flow of rivers said to be a reference to the creature's supposed preference for nestling in the bends of rivers. Mekele Mbembe is also said to be the word for rainbow, as well as mystery. According to Paul Olin, a missionary who has spent more than a decade living with the Bayaka Pygmies of Congo and the Central African Republic, over the years there have been numerous physical descriptions of the creature. The most common of these, and the one they all seem to agree on, is that the creature is enormous in size and has a long neck with a small head, as well as a long tail. In some accounts, the Mekele Mbembe is also said to be a herbivorous creature that lives in caves by the river, where it can find its favorite food, a certain type of liana. Over the past 100 years, there have been many reports of sightings in the remote areas of Central Africa of the swamp-dwelling animal known to local villagers as Mekele Mbembe, the blocker of rivers. It's described as living mainly in water, its size somewhere between that of a hippopotamus and an elephant, but with a squat body and a long neck that enables it to pluck leaves and fruit from plants near the water's edge. The creature is said to climb the shore at daytime in search of food, Witnesses' drawings show the Mekele Mbembe resembles nothing recognizable as still living on Earth, but it does bear a startling likeness to a sauropod dinosaur, known to us by its fossil skeleton similar in shape to a small apatosaurus. The Mekele Mbembe is an amphibious animal that is typically found in rivers, but may also be found in forests. It's claimed to spend a lot of time in the water where it's said to escape for safety and is capable of hiding underwater like a hippopotamus. The river appears to be flowing backward when it emerges from the water due to its large bulk, which also leaves noticeable wakes. Even though when it's swimming, only its head and neck are frequently visible, 
when it leaves the water, it does so backwards. It's been reported to live in caves along the riverside on occasion that are either created naturally or by animals. Some Baca claim that it can stand up on its hind legs to eat and that it occasionally digs channels. It's typically described as nocturnal or crepuscular, emerging from the water to eat around nightfall. The morning and the evening are when sightings are most frequently recorded. Although Michaela Mbembe's are not known to vocalize often, accounts of them doing so do exist. The Baca people claim that the Michaela Mbembe has a vocal sac that resembles a frog below its throat. In the jungle, around the marshes, there are definite signs of a massive heavy creature that is not a crocodile, hippopotamus, or elephant, including the impressions of clawed feet and other distinctive animal track marks. Ten local fishermen who were fishing or traveling in a dugout canoe made up the majority of those who reported seeing the Michele Mbembe itself. Scientific missions have been made, though expressly to search for the species in the marshes that cover a large portion of the Congo, Gabon, and Cameroon. An expedition to the isolated Lake Tele in 1983 was described by university-trained scientist Marcelin Agna Agna as follows. At approximately 2.30 p.m., we were then able to observe a strange animal with a wide back, a long neck, and a small head. The animal was located at about 300 meters from the edge of the lake, and we were able to advance about 60 meters in the shallow water, placing us at a distance of about 240 meters from the animal which had become aware of our presence and was looking around as if to determine the source of the noise. Dinkumbu, a local villager, continued to shout with fear. The frontal part of the animal was brown, while the back part of the neck appeared black and shone in the sunlight. The animal partly submerged and remained visible for 20 minutes with only the neck and head above the water. It then submerged completely. No further sightings of the animal took place. It can be said with certainty that the animal we saw was Michele Mbembe, that it was quite alive, and furthermore, that it is known to many inhabitants of the Lakula region, an area of swampland about the same size as Florida. Its total length from head to back visible above the waterline was estimated at 16 feet. Recent claims from the Kabanga tribe members that hunters killed and attempted to eat a Michele Mbembe have sparked excitement among scientists. The carcass was left to rot after the flesh proved to be inedible. The tribesmen are claimed to have cremated the skeleton. The first report of the Michele Mbembe by Westerners dates back to 1776 and is attributed to a French missionary in the Congo River region by the name of Levin Bonaventure Proyart. The missionary reported that he had seen enormous footprints, 3.28 feet in diameter, with claw prints of some animal in that region. The creature that left these footprints, however, was not sighted. No further reports of the Michele Mbembe were made until the early part of the 20th century. In 1909, an explorer by the name of Paul Gratz wrote about a creature similar to the Michele Mbembe, known as the Ansanga. This creature is found in the legends of the natives living in present-day Zambia, 
and is rumored to inhabit the Lake Benguela region. Gratz's report is important, as it is the first account that describes the animal as dinosaur-like. Since then, it has been commonly accepted that the Michele Mbembe is some kind of dinosaur. Carl Hagenbeck, a well-known German big-game hunter, asserted that he had also learned of the beast at around the same time. Hagenbeck described hearing about a huge monster, half-elephant, half-dragon, that lived in the depth of the Great Swamps, in the interior of Rhodesia. In his book, Beasts and Men, Hagenbeck wrote the following, I am almost convinced that some such reptile must still be in existence. At great expense, therefore, I sent out an expedition to find the monster. But unfortunately, they were compelled to return home, without having proved anything, either one way or the other. Hagenbeck might have been the first Westerner to lead a search for the Michele Mbembe, but he most certainly wouldn't be the last. Over 50 trips have been made to find the creature as of 2011. There isn't much concrete evidence to support the existence of the Michele Mbembe, aside from purported footprints, hazy photographs, and a flood of eyewitness accounts, including one in which a missionary claims to have known some pygmies who killed a Michele Mbembe in the 1960s. In addition to the lack of concrete evidence, there are a number of reasons to deny the Michele Mbembe's existence. For instance, it has been stated that it's extremely impossible for the Michele Mbembe to be just one animal, or even a small group of animals, if it's an ancient dinosaur, as many claim. There must be a sizable population of Michele Mbembe if they have endured unaltered over the past 65 million years in the Congo River watershed. By now, there should have been sufficient physical proof, such as a bone, remains, or feces, left behind by the creatures. Another argument against Michele Mbembe's existence is based on zoologists' experience looking for animals they think have gone extinct. There would need to be several searches made if one wanted to discover an animal that was thought to be extinct. The likelihood that such a species still lives falls after three to six searches at which point it would typically be discovered. Given that there have been more than 50 expeditions, it is unlikely that the Michele Mbembe even exists. However, some people are still hopeful that the Michele Mbembe will be discovered at some point. The most well-known of these are creationists, who believe that the Michele Mbembe would support their literal interpretation of the biblical story of creation if it were discovered. As evidence that dinosaurs reproduced after their type, not developing from other life forms, the Michele Mbembe would be proof that evolutionist theories about how life evolved are likewise dismissed by such individuals. Given what's at stake, it's likely that the search for the elusive Michele Mbembe will continue for quite some time. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The entire camp had been awoken by the shaking of the jungle floor. Bishop ran to Josh when he saw he was laying on the ground with a stunned stare on his face. Are you okay? He asked worriedly. Yeah, yeah, I'm fine. Josh answered. Did you see that? He asked Bishop. Unfortunately, I did not, but I can't wait for you to tell me about it. Bishop quickly replied. Bishop believed every word of Josh's description of what he had just seen. They were both so excited that they couldn't go back to sleep. They found Josh's tent hanging from a tree the next morning, not far from the camp. They also found large indentions in the ground that they were sure were footprints. With feet that size, coupled with Josh's description of what he saw, they were sure it was Michele Mbembe. Bishop was ecstatic that it was only their first day in the jungle and already they had made contact with the legendary creature. They followed the trail of broken limbs that circled around and led back to the river's edge. At first they saw no signs of life other than the monkeys and the birds chirping in chorus to one another. Then one of the guides began yelling in Swahili and the only thing they could understand was the words Michele Mbembe. He was pointing towards the top of the trees and had his gun on his shoulder aimed and ready to fire. Josh looked up and searched the top of the tree line until he finally saw movement. It was the head of the creature he had seen the night before. It was lazily feeding on one of the treetops. They all stood paralyzed with sheer amazement at the surreal moment until they heard a strange animal crying. It was almost like the bleeding of a goat, but not quite. It was growing louder. Josh suspected that they were looking at the mother and the sound may be coming from her young. He was just about to explain this to the group when something broke through the bushes. He was right. It was a baby and it was headed for them obviously curious about the visitors. It was a sight to behold. Even though it was a baby, it towered over the men. From the tip of its tail to the top of its head, it had to be over 20 feet in length. And it was close to seven feet to the top of its back. It slowed once it saw the men and approached cautiously. Josh stepped towards it with his hand outstretched and it swung its head around slowly to meet the palm of his hand. He ran his hand across its head and down its neck, surprised that it was warm to the touch. Its brown skin was bumpy and the baby made a cooing sound of approval as he stroked its neck. The magical moment was shattered by the pop of a gunshot as one of the gods had panicked and fired his rifle at the baby dinosaur. Josh stepped back when the baby jumped and raised its front feet into the air. 
He could see that the bullet had only grazed the thick surface of its skin, but it had scared it so badly that it let out a squeal loud enough to ring his ears. They all watched as the creature ran off, crashing through the forest. Bishop turned and began yelling at the man who had fired the shot, obviously furious. He was in the middle of a heated exchange with their guides, as Josh still stood there mesmerized, staring in the direction the baby had gone. He was shaken from his thoughts when the ground beneath them began to shake, and loud crashing booms began to close in on them, so fast they barely had time to react. Everyone became quiet as they realized they were in danger. Hurting the baby had angered the mother. Trees began to crash to the ground as the large trunks of her legs appeared as she stepped through the forest. When she emerged, it was breathtaking, yet terrifying. The creature's size was so immense that Josh wondered how something so large and magnificent had stayed hidden for so long. His gaze ran from her legs all the way up her long neck and to the top of her head that must have been 80 feet in height. She swung her long neck around and looked directly down at them and let out a warning cry before she attacked. Everything got crazy very fast. Josh could hear more shots fired as the giant beast raised her feet and then brought them crashing down around them. She did this repeatedly while the men were dodging, screaming, and running for cover. One of her feet came down next to Josh, and the ground shook so hard he fell to his knees. He had missed being crushed by mere inches. He stood as quickly as he could, watching above him ready to avoid the next stomp. He dodged those feet several more times, barely escaping sure death, before he managed to conceal himself behind a fallen tree. He watched from there as Bishop, the guides, and the rest of the team did the same, praying that they would be as lucky. The attack that seemed to last forever was over in minutes. Once the mother was satisfied that the threat was gone, she slowly turned to leave. But as she did, one last danger almost took them all out at once, as her monstrous tail swung around and swept the jungle floor, breaking trees and sending limbs flying as she left. Josh rolled over onto his back, trying to get his heart rate back under control. He had to catch his breath as he absorbed everything that had just happened. He didn't lay there long before he began to hear the voices of some of the other men. Reluctantly, he crawled out of his hiding place and joined the group that had begun to gather in the area where they all had come close to death just minutes before. Amazingly enough, they were all there. Bishop was standing in the center of the group holding his arm. They hiked back to their camping area from the night before and assessed their injuries. Bishop's arm was possibly broken, but other than that, the others only suffered scrapes and bruises. Bishop had wanted to stay longer to photograph and study the creature that they had discovered. After all, they had accomplished something that many others had tried but never achieved. Once they began unpacking to set up camp again, 
they came to an obvious realization that staying was not going to be an option. Even though the injuries to the men were minimal, all of their equipment was destroyed. Every camera, every cell phone was smashed to pieces. Even their food supply was now inedible. Bishop was devastated, but Josh was oddly relieved. He had witnessed what was probably the greatest wonder of the world, and the world's greatest secret, and he had a strong desire to protect that secret. The mother could have killed them, but she hadn't. She had earned her peace and privacy. After the long trip back up the river, Bishop had decided to order new equipment and return in a couple of weeks. But Josh had opted out and chose to take his memories and return home. He had gotten what he came here for. He followed Bishop's blogs and research online. Bishop had succeeded to return to the place where they had seen the baby and the mother, but had failed to find any trace of them. After weeks of searching, his expedition had run out of money and returned home. Josh was relieved by the results. He could still hear the coo the baby made when he rubbed its neck, and he could feel its warm skin beneath his hand. He thought about it at night as he drifted off to sleep with a smile on his face. Michele Mbembe, he whispered as he rolled over, feeling complete. Thank you for listening to Freaky Folklore, the podcast about mankind's horrifying legends and myths. Don't forget to follow Freaky Folklore on Spotify and iTunes. If you can, leave the show an honest review on iTunes to help us grow. Freaky Folklore is part of the EerieCast Podcast Network the home for listeners who love to feel scared. Go to EerieCast.com to find other terrifying podcasts, such as Destination Terror and Redwood Bureau. If you'd like to submit an encounter or suggestions for future episodes, you can email them to CarmenCarrion at gmail.com. That is C-A-R-M-A-N-C-A-R-R-I-O-N at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter or Instagram for information on future episodes. Tune in next week as we discuss the Kikamora, a devious creature from Slavic folklore that sneaks into homes at night with evil intentions. Until next time, stay safe out there, because this world is a strange one. <laughs>